on this week's episode of Third Party Controller Podcast. It's me by myself. What's going to happen? I don't know. So tune in, stay locked in, and find out on this week's episode of Third Party Controller Podcast. Let's get it going. Welcome to Third Party Control Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse P.S. Lyra, and today, ladies and gentlemen, I am solo. It is just me. Both Bethel and Joe are currently unavailable to join us this week, so let's get the show going because I don't know what we're doing, so we're just going to go with the punches, and you know what? Let's do it. Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back old school. What's up, fool? Where you going, fool? To my pad, for reals, fool? Nah, fool. I'm going to the store, fool. What's up? For real, going to the store, that's fucked up. For reals, fool. For reals, fool. Yeah, fool. For reals, fool. Yeah, fool. Damn, fool. That's fucked up. That's fucked up. It's not cool. Don't never lie to friends. I ended up picking up Live a Live for the Nintendo Switch, the never released title, Super Famicom title by Squaresoft back in the 90s that never released in America ever. There have been fan translations, but this is the official first time it's come to North America. And not only is it officially translated, is it officially here, it is updated in the beautiful octopath traveler triangle strategy art style of 2.5 pixelated artwork style thingamabobs and i'm here to tell you it looks nice it is very beautiful it's a nice looking art style that's something they're also gonna add to the dragon quest i think three i think it was number three that they said they're gonna remake in that art style and let me tell you, I have, I have, um, Octopath Traveler. I have it, right? I've tried the demo for that one. It looks great. Haven't gotten that far in Octopath Traveler. So I haven't really let it, like, kind of absorbed the visual quality of that game. But I have sat down and taken my time with Live a Live. And man, that art style is so beautiful. It is very attractive looking very nice so this is the first time that it's available in north america i do have a uh, <coughs> legally obtained um english translation of the super famicom title for anyone who's not familiar the super famicom is the super nintendo in north america in japan it's the super famicom which stands for super family computer so fans have translated it i remember obtaining <coughs> legally uh this title and the day i downloaded an official translation of live a live there was a nintendo direct the next day and it was announced to release for the nintendo switch all updated so i was like well <laughs> there's really not that there isn't a point to play it i mean it, it, there could have been a point to play it so i could like you know hey this is the difference between the two but then i just realized hey it is coming out it's coming out soon i am going to wait and try it on the switch and i am glad i did because it's fantastic it's a different type of turn-based rpg it's a turn-based rpg but it's a grid system as well uh so it's kind of like a grid system that's on the floor so you can think of like strategy games like kind of like fire emblem but a bit different you have the turn-based tactical rpg elements of it there might be a name for it it escapes me at the moment for that type of style but depending on what kind of moves you have um, in the grid, how I understood it in the game and how it was explained, you could still attack, but if your enemy is in an area where the grid lands, and the grid could be different depending on the mood, it could be a complete square, it could be broken up little squares that are attached different ways depending on what kind of move it is, it'll, I want to say it affects them better and it'll hit them more accurately than if you just do the attack and they might not be landing on one of your squares, but there's a chance it'll miss a bit a higher chance it'll miss that's how i kind of understood in that game so this one's kind of a different game 
you have eight storylines to choose from, eight different characters, some prehistoric, the Wild West, Imperial China, Twilight of Edo Japan, present day, the near future, the distant future, and the Middle Ages. So you can choose between all these different characters, all these branching paths. And the cool thing about Live a Live is everyone's kind of unique depending on their storyline, depending on where they are. And each character, you when you choose it, it'll have little chunks, anywhere from an hour to maybe two hours of content for, like I want to say it's like five chapters. I haven't completed a, a complete chapter or anyone's complete playthrough, but I think like how it kind of goes, you can jump around. So if you're like, hey, I want to try Imperial Japan, uh, Imperial China, you go to Imperial China, and then you do maybe the first two episodes, and you're like, you know what, I'm going to jump to someone else. I'll do the Wild West. You can do a Wild West and then jump into the distant future. Any order you want. There's no specific order from what I understand that you need to go through. Or you can complete one person's complete thing and then go on to the next person. Do it any way you want. Well, how I'm hearing online is a lot of people say, just jump around just to kind of keep everything fresh and fun. Um, I ended up playing present day and I did the first part of present day. And the reason I chose present day is because I saw on the Nintendo Direct that this character, uh, of course, present day, but it looked like there was a Hulk Hogan wrestling match that was that you were able to encounter. So I was like, oh man, I need to try this because that looked really cool. And I wanted to see what it what it was, like how, how it turned out. And it actually starts right away. But what's pretty cool is it's different characters. So your main character in present day, he is a, a fighter and he learns people's skills by people attacking them with it. So if someone attacks him with a skill that they have, it'll become his. He learns that way. He's he's a great fighter to where he learns from other people. So you kind of the game kind of also tells you, hey, you have to bait some people because some people have, I think every enemy you encounter has three specific moves that are unique to them that you kind of have to bait them into doing so you can copy it and then it'll tell you you have this move now so when that was going on i'm baiting them they do the attack and i it's not super hard it's not like man this this character is different when i'm fighting against this new character it's harder to bait them i don't think so because it seemed like it was pretty simple for to bait them which was just wait like i just ended up waiting until they attacked me that way and then sometimes there were a few times where oh man i could probably defeat this guy but then I won't learn all their moves. Uh, maybe the learning of all the moves will help me out later in the game. So I would just kind of wait and then just wait my turn. Your basic like command that you have in an RPG of waiting. But it was pretty fun. Everyone had different unique uh, attack abilities. And depending on who you fought next, it's like you chose it. It was basically like how Street Fighter is. Where, oh, okay, you're going to play arcade mode and it goes from one boss to another to another. Think that, but the difference is you can choose which boss you want to fight next. Instead of, you know, hey, you fight uh, Blanca, then it goes to Chun. It's like random. And, oh, Chun-Li's next and then Ken's next or whoever. Depending on who you select, it's like that, but you get to choose who you fight next. So pretty much the only difference. But, like, the presentation is very, like, wrestling. Like, you select them, and, and I think it was like a V flies like a cage, not like a cage, but like a letter V and an impact of an explosion. And it was very, very theatrical and stuff. And I was like, man, this is really nice. I'm pretty sure this isn't in, in the Super Famicom version. I'm I'm pretty dead set that this is them taking advantage of like updating it and making it look real nice to give it to this, this type of presentation. Spoiler alert. Yes, because I, I went back right after to like, OK, I'm going to play this. Let me check this out and uh, see what the difference is. And yeah, of course, it's not going to be a super, you know, a, a, a spectacle and stuff. They did what they could with the Super Famicom, but it, it's nice. It's like it gives you like, hey, there's a reason if you were even a fan, if you played Live a Live, you know, the fan translation and you loved it, man, you're going to get something and more like a, such a visual upgrade. You know, even though a lot of the sprites, even the sprites too, I thought, oh, maybe they just copied the sprites over and the sprites are the same thing. No, man. You go to the Super Famicom version, they're little tiny sprites. They're not even as as detailed as this new one, which is crazy because it looked like as much detail as a Final Fantasy VI 
uh, on the Super Nintendo. That that's that type of detail. So I, I assumed it was going to be the same thing, but no, it's it's different in the Super Famicom version. So pretty much what I'm saying is nice upgrade, uh, a well worth upgrade. And um, going through the first part of the present day character, learning all these other enemies, like because that's how he learns. They have to do the attack, and then he is able to do the attack. Uh, what's cool is depending on who you fight and what you learned, some attacks they'll be vulnerable to, and other attacks they won't. That they won't. It won't really affect them. So it was pretty neat, like mixing things around, and then okay, this attack will take them out qu quicker and faster. Again, if you want to learn the, their moves, you kind of have to bait them. Uh, did that first chapter and it was really cool. Ended up jumping to the Twilight of Edo, Japan. And the creator, Toby Fox, uh, if you ever played Undertale, which is a fantastic RPG, uh, Live a Live is a huge inspiration to him. And I saw it in Twilight of Edo, Japan, because you're a ninja and you are sent to go to this uh, palace to rescue this guy in, in the prison that they have there. But you can do a few different things. You have three different ways of entering this, this palace. You can either be stealthy, which it gives you the option to be stealthy. Uh, you can either be um, a complete killer and kill everybody, or you can do a mix of both. Not Don't kill everybody, uh, but be stealthy. I'm trying to do the pacifist way, which is, you know, if you ever played Undertale, you have that, you know, option of being the pacifist or, you know, good or the bad ending and stuff like that. I, I tried to be the pacifist way, but the negative is you can't really level up you don't really level up and of course if you're killing everyone you're leveling up and but it's like a more negative ending that one was hard because going around that whole temple not temple it's like a palace structure it's probably not a palace i forget the name um i got lost a couple times beautiful beautiful game beautiful but i was like shit where do i go next okay all right i found the prisoner how do i get a key where, where do I get a key? I don't think I have to defeat a person because to get a key because I, I don't know. So I got, I got kind of stuck there. But what's cool is if I want to, I could save the game there and then jump to another game, another character's game. So that was pre that's pretty neat. I could do that. And that's basically where my playing of Live a Live ended was at that moment because I kind of don't want to pause it there. I kind of want to finish that chapter to continue on to the next one. But so far, really digging in. If you like RPGs, if you like a change a bit, a, a, a different pace, something different, I think this is different enough and really nice enough to kind of warrant it a look. You know, there's a demo on the Nintendo Switch eShop if you're not sure. But give it a try. I liked it. It was really nice. And this is a pretty cool different take. And, and Square Enix now finally giving this game a chance and giving us a physical release the first time in America is pretty cool pretty awesome to celebrate and hopefully you know hopefully this if this does well which I'm hoping it does we get other cool stuff we haven't gotten you know things that we haven't gotten before hey maybe we'll get you never know they worked with Nintendo on freaking Super Mario RPG just imagine in that style that 2.5d pixelated style that they did how amazing would that be? I think that'd be great. But, I don't know. Hopefully this shows Square Enix that people care about this type of stuff. And it looks like they did a good job with this. So, I'm stoked. I recommend it. Check it out. Hope you guys enjoy it too. As most of you know, I stream. I stream on twitch.tv slash jlsolid. I'm usually consistent with Mondays, Wednesdays. And randomly throughout the week, maybe the weekend, depending if I'm busy or not. But uh, I ended up doing a stream. Currently, I'm streaming through uh, The Legend of Zelda Minish Cap. Never really played it. Uh, but I took a break from the Minish Cap and decided, you know what? Today, I'm going to have a fun stream. And I did something I've never done. And I played a game that, to a lot of people, is a classic game. It's one of the most classic games for the Nintendo 64. Yes. GoldenEye. 007 or is it 007 goldeneye i don't know it's people say it a different way but goldeneye basically for the n64 i remember hearing the legend of this game as a child uh friends having it cousins having it trying it out for like less than three minutes and stuff just being like how does this control because back in the day 
first-person shooters on a console were really unheard of, and even like the way how it's placed in the 64 works for the 64 controller. But even back then, it was it was kind of different, you know. But people would rave for decades about this game, and I would always hear one of two things, and I would always think one of two things. One, it, I think it's rose-colored glasses. You would hate it now with the advancements of games how they are now. And also, is it really that good? Maybe people are just, eh, you know, rose-colored glasses. You know, basically that. It was basically like if those people who love it and say it's the greatest shooter ever, they're going to play this game again and be like, I hate it, right? So I wanted to do something different for the stream. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to stream it, right? Not beat the whole thing, but I was like, I'm going to stream it. But I put myself in a mindset of 1997 because that's when this game came out. Double uh, 007 GoldenEye came out in 1997 for the Nintendo 64, and I put myself in that mindset, right? Because if I put myself in the mindset now of 2022, I'd be like, well, it's not as good as Call of Duty or Halo or Destiny, or it's not like Apex or Fortnite. It's not as good. You know, you can't build nothing. It's stupid. The graphics are dumb. I mean, I wouldn't do that, but... You know, if you have that mindset, of course it's not great. Yeah, it's not going to compete with the games now. But I, I wanted to put myself in that mindset because I could do that. You're talking to a guy who lovingly, lovingly goes back and plays the original Resident Evil games. Ten controls and all. And I love them. I love them more than your children. Okay? If you have children, I will sacrifice them for ten controls of Resident Evil. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I uh, I could do that, man. I could go back to him and understand, like, yeah, this was at the time, and yes, of course, it's much better now with the third person over the shoulder camera. But it works for those games because they came out around that time, right? That's uh, as simple as me going back to like Metal Gear Solid, where you had to hold multiple buttons just to do a certain thing, which is second nature to me, right? But I wanted to test something out. I'm like, that's second nature to me. Tank controls are second nature to me. Metal Gear Solid uh, for PS1 controls are like second nature to me. Like, it's just embedded in me. So I wanted to test out, can I do this? Can I look over that hump? Can I play with these controls now with the N64 controller? Can I put myself in that 1997 mindset? And I'm here to say, yes. For someone who had no no emotion really toward the GoldenEye 007 besides, oh, people people will still hate it now who are fans or something. That was my only thing about it. For someone who didn't have any stake in this, uh, it was great, man. It, it's, it was fun. Yes, the controls are weird. Yes, it doesn't control as well, but that's not the point. I was looking at it as if this was my first time. And what was kind of cool is it felt like my first time. Well, it technically was, but I w it was cool to kind of have that feeling of like exploring and finding things out, but also with an audience of people watching. And I had a good time and you saw like Rare at its best. Like, don't get me wrong. For some people, Rare at its best is probably Donkey Kong Country, right? They're probably like Donkey Kong Country, motherfucker. That was the best. Or Grab by the Googlies was probably their best one whatever right but for me this showed rare's polish the their way of creating games and making things fun and that's what it was it was fun and at first i'm getting used to it um i'm also bad at motion sickness so some of the moves were getting to me but i was able to keep myself going without really not feeling well which at the end of the stream i ended up feeling really shitty but i mean i'm better now but Playing through it, the combat, learning things. I was still going through the first stage. The first part of the game, it took me like two hours to beat because I was trying to figure out. It's like, okay, this is your mission. Destroy the alarms. Jump out. Uh, like parachute jump out of this part, right? A couple of times, like, oh, I found one time. Okay, I jumped, but I didn't destroy the alarms. I'm like, okay, what alarms? Oh, the red dots, the alarms. Because everything's a little bricked, kind of, you know little cubed like thing oh that's what i gotta destroy so then as the two hours went along i figured it out did it and we were able to pass the level but not once did i like hate it like i had fun the only thing i, I would say that annoyed me because i think it's it's with time as in what i mean is as games have progressed since like all the way from atari 
even before then till now for the PS5, Xbox 360, or Xbox Series X, and Nintendo Switch, you're used to your game having checkpoints every probably two fucking steps or auto-saving. All these things that we take for granted now, I was kind of surprised, like, wait, I got I died pretty far in that first level. And I'm like, wait, I gotta go, I gotta do it again. There's no checkpoint. Like, I was so used to checkpoints, right? Like, I was like, oh, I, what? What's going on? Huh? So that really took it to me. Like, even some people in the chat were like, I think there are checkpoints, but they're few and far between, like, really far into it. But that first one doesn't have it. And I want to say they don't, right? I want to say they don't have checkpoints in GoldenEye. But I didn't get far enough to figure that out. But after two hours, I went through it, and dude, I had a blast. And then going through the second level, I was like, okay, now we're at the second level. Uh, I'm just going to go as far as I can um, until I die and I'm done for the stream. And I got pretty far. But dude, it, like from like the beginning part, which was a good, that first level was a great beginner's learn everything. And the second one is like, okay, now you got new gadgets. Now you got the, the little mines. Now you got other things and you're in rooms and I was really surprised that doors were opening. Like basic stuff was exciting me. Like, holy shit, I could go into this room and I can go into that room and you can go into this room. Dude, now you can go into a fucking open world. But I was excited about fucking going into square rooms because it, it, it was fun. It was actually like surprising because I got so used to what the first level was that this changed it up. S look, it's simple. It's, it's really not anything to to now i know but that's not what i was how i was looking at it but i genuinely got excited oh shit i'm here oh shit i'm fighting people i opened the door fuck there's like three dudes here fuck 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 it was so much fun dude like that's the thing i was able to i honestly thought i was gonna hate it i thought i was gonna hate it but i dug it i see why people have so much fondness for goldeneye i am a goldeneye now, now i'm a goldeneye believer like i get it to the point where i we were talking about this in, in the chat with my chat. I was talking about this with them. I don't want to see a remake because I just not that I don't think it'll work, but I think it'll take the charm away. I think there's a charm that that, you know, um, Rare was able to infuse in this game that they're, it's their unique rare charm that I unfortunately i hate to say it's kind of missing now with their most current titles and stuff i feel you know again i'm sorry i haven't played sea of thieves and i know a lot of people love it but i just i don't know like i'm probably being a hypocrite by saying that but i just feel like there's like a charm that i think would be lost if you updated it right like it just wouldn't have that level of uh 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 impressiveness i guess uh or maybe i could be wrong maybe they can do it maybe they can do it to where it's it's unique on its own but it feels like the original but of course it's gonna have to be improved like will that improvement just not work i know they did a wii goldeneye remake i know they did and i heard that wasn't good and i'm not gonna try it but i'm just talking about like a legit remake i, I don't know i don't know but i i understand now i understand people's love i understand what people really enjoyed about it i think the only thing now that I won't be able to experience right now is the multiplayer you know like people also have fondness for the multiplayer so hopefully i could experience that but it was cool man i was able to put my mindset there and i was able to appreciate it not only appreciate it for what it was but i kind of appreciate it now in 2022 like i do appreciate goldeneye for what it's done and what it kind of put forward for console shooters right and what what it what it placed the foundation and where other games like halo were able to improve when it came to controls and everything you know you also had half-life that really helped and improved the first person shooters you know with storytelling and everything and and halo i think with controls and tightness like so many things but this you know it isn't the first i get it but i want to say like around the first for a console which was acceptable right because i want to say like really the one that pushed it even further was the first halo i said that before and i'll say it again the first halo because of its tight controls and perfect control placement on the controller did it right but yeah um i'm a believer like i said and that was really cool i had fun with goldeneye 007 for the n64 we'll be right back after these commercial breaks 
Hello, you're listening to 3PC News with your hosts, Jesse Lira, Robert Esparza, and Joe Ramirez. Hello, I'm Jesse Lira for 3PC News. Bethel and Joe are out this week. Now let's get on with today's headlines. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadila announced that at the company's full year's earnings call that the Xbox Series X and S were the fastest selling consoles in Xbox history. Now a year later and nearly two years into the console's life cycle, he's affirmed this continues to be true. While that sounds a bit obvious, that Nadelia's really saying here is that the sales of the newest Xbox console haven't really slowed down significantly since they launched, at least not compared to past Xbox consoles. His exact words were that Microsoft has sold more consoles life to date than any previous generation of Xbox. So almost two years in none of other Xboxes had sold as many units as the current generation. That's a lot of Xboxes, especially given the many challenges the ongoing chip shortage has presented in getting the dang thing on the shelves in the first place. Nadili also mentioned a few other numbers. He reminded us that the Xbox consoles have been the next-gen console market leader for three quarters in a row now. Basically, they've been outselling PS5 for the last three quarters. And hardware aside, Xbox's xCloud seems to be doing alright too. Over 4 million people have streamed Fortnite to date on xCloud, Nadelia said, including over 1 million people who were brand new to the xCloud ecosystem. That's all good news for Xbox, though it comes alongside the announcement that gaming revenue for the quarter was down 7% year over year. Content and service revenue was down 6%, while hardware revenue drops 11%. While none of this sounds sparkling, it also shouldn't be shocking. Last year's quarters, the company was still riding high off a massive hardware sales surge. And it's normal to see hardware sales gently decline as time goes on. As for content revenue, without a ton of blockbuster releases hanging around, Xbox will probably have to wait till October or later for some big releases to bolster those numbers further. Xbox is projecting that its current quarter, running from July through September, will see a year-on-year drop in low-to-mid single digits due to declines in first-party content, while console revenue and Game Pass subscriptions are expected to rise. My thoughts on this, uh, on this, for Xbox, hey, it's great. It's great that Xbox is selling really well, right? Fantastic. For anyone who's purchased an Xbox recently, for anyone who is going to purchase an Xbox in the future, I highly, all of us at Third Party Control Podcast, highly recommend for you to purchase Game Pass. It is a no-brainer. You should have that. If you have an Xbox console, you should have Game Pass. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. Get it now. Um, every console is selling really well right now. For whatever reason, uh, PlayStation is having a harder time. So, Xbox has two consoles out. Uh, the Xbox Series S and the Xbox Series X. PlayStation has two different units, the digital and non-digital, but they're basically the same where the Xbox Series S is not as powerful as the Xbox Series X, but it has enough power to still be able to play some of the games that are currently going to be releasing for current-gen hardware, which is cool, which is really good. So I think they're tying all of that together. Um, all I really got to say about this is it's good for Xbox. Again, get Game Pass if you have it. They just need to get some games out, man. They have so many studios right now. So many delays. Everyone's seen delays. There's not crazy and massive amounts of exclusive stuff for their console. Really? For the rest of the year. So I think that's where they see their decline. Look, I try not to be as negative on this show. I try not to... It makes it sound like I hate Xbox, but it's not that I hate Xbox. I want I want my Xbox to give me a reason to play it because it really isn't giving me anything. It's kind of just there. And I kind of choose my third-party games on the PlayStation 5 over Xbox for just convenience reasons. And yeah, I mean, that tends to happen unless a game is usually better running on Xbox, which sometimes... Some third-party games are, and some third-party games aren't, so it's such a weird thing. I don't know. Look, whether it's going to be next year or 2024, there's got to be... There's going to be some sort of fucking year where Xbox is just blowing up every month, like a big title every month, exclusive. They have so many studios working on so many things. 
a lot of things are taking time and, and, and you know, with games take a while to make. Uh, I think a lot of during the pandemic pushed a lot of things out farther than they wanted to because uh, we're still seeing the effects. I know a lot of people get mad hearing that excuse and, you know, I, I'm, I'm here to say, like, I think sometimes it's used an ex as an excuse and sometimes it is legit that it pushed a lot of things out. So unless Microsoft has a killer year next year, this year was kind of mm, whatever for them so far i mean and even playstation i would have said that too if they didn't announce god of war for november at least that's like one thing they had right because they both had elden ring which is fucking awesome but as an exclusive goes i mean they had ghostwire tokyo but that's exclusive for like a year basically all i'm saying is if both xbox and playstation don't fucking get their shit together for next year then start complaining Right by the third year, if you don't see it, start seeing a good amount of momentum, I give you permission to start wigging out. But for now, hey, and also, um, yeah, I honestly, I, I am looking forward to the day where I am constantly on my Xbox, and I'm like, there's too much, too much out right now. I can't. There's too many good things, you know. What was it? People are playing Stray. It's Stray's on PC and uh, PlayStation, right? It's not on Xbox. So people are loving Stray right now. A lot of people are talking about it. I haven't gotten around to playing that one yet. But yeah, no, this is good for Xbox. Just uh, we got to get some games, man. And that's for both consoles. Got to get some games, baby. Bring them out. After almost two years on the market, Meta is officially increasing the price of its Oculus 2 VR headset by $100. Beginning August 1st, the 128GB storage configuration for the MetaQuest 2 will cost $399, previously $299, while the 256GB model will now retail for $499. Meta also confirmed that starting August 1st until December 31st, those that purchase a Quest 2 will receive a free digital copy of Beat Saber. For the time being, the MetaQuest 2 is still available at its current price at numerous retailers. Meta cites inflation as one of the reasons for price increasing, writing, The costs to make and ship our product have been on the rise, Meta said in a recent blog post. By adjusting the price of Quest 2, we can continue to grow our investment in groundbreaking research and new product development and pushes the VR industry to new heights. Meta also teased its ambitious VR hardware roadmap, mentioning once again that it plans to launch Project Cumbria later this year and noting that the company plans to release new generation of MetaQuest in the future. Nevertheless, Meta pointed out that despite the $100 price increase, the Quest 2 continues to be the most affordable VR headset on the market. Further touting and highly anticipated titles are coming to the Quest 2, such as Ghostbusters VR, Among Us VR, and NFL Pro Era. Important to mention, however, that these titles are also coming to other VR headsets, such as the highly anticipated PSVR 2. Though Meta does have an advantage of being a VR gaming headset that does not require a gaming PC or a console to function, and it does have a few games exclusive to the platform, most notably Resident Evil 4 VR. Next month, Meta will also begin rolling out a new account system that will finally stop requiring Quest 2 owners to use a Facebook account to use the headset. Are they charging people 100 bucks more because now you can't, you don't have to sign up to Facebook? I don't know. Um, it's kind of lame. Uh, I feel it's a lame excuse. I mean, a lot of stuff's going, getting higher in price. We're all feeling gas prices right now. A lot of things are going to go up in price. But 100 bucks for a headset? To me, that makes me go, oh, okay, cool, I won't get it. I was never going to, right? I love VR. I love VR. I'm waiting for PSVR 2, baby. Right? I'm waiting for that shit. Uh, but hearing that, I'm like, 100, 100 bucks? Okay. 100 bucks is a lot of lettuce, man. That's like a day of gas. Yeah, I don't know where they're going with this. That's their reasoning, but I wonder if it's more. I wonder... Look, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that's the reason why. But usually with these type of things, like a hundred bucks more, usually I would think it'd be like 20? Anywhere from 20 to 50 more? But a hundred? I don't know. Is that seem unreasonable? Is that wrong? I don't know. It sounds wrong to me for the increase. I 
yeah uh, is it just to push sales to have people rush and have that rush of sale purchases um you know does this stop people i don't know because i don't care to get one it's it's a cool uh unit to where you don't need a pc to be able to play it um but then that makes me think like well then i if i had a pc i would just want to buy it's added cost but i would just buy a headset that I had to have a PC if I already had a PC and save that cost or something. I don't, I don't fucking know. I don't know. I just think kind of lame. Uh, I think it's a dumb excuse. Here's the problem. And I love VR. Like I said, I love VR. I think VR is great. I'm all in on the VR, baby. I'm not in, in on this Oculus. It's not Meta, motherfucker. It's Oculus Rift, okay? Don't fucking Mark Zuckerberg. Don't tell me what to call it. Meta's dumb. One of the huge drawbacks for me when it comes to VR, recommending VR every, anytime anyone asks me, hey, what's a good VR set? What's what's good VR this? What's good VR that, right? I go, look, you, and this is the same on everything, on anything that comes out, any headset. You gotta realize that what you're buying is a novelty product, meaning, Every week you're getting a new video game release, right? On your standard console. On your PlayStation 5, Xbox, Nintendo Switch. Every week you're getting a, an abundancy of, of different titles, whether it's indie, AAA, what have you type of title that comes out, right? The level of games coming out monthly, weekly, daily is astronomical. Damn, especially if you have a PC. It's crazy how many games come out. If you're a VR player, very little. You're lucky if you get one game a month, if anything, right? You're mostly waiting for the next thing. Now, don't get me wrong. You buy a, you buy one of the VR headsets right now today, and you have this huge library of stuff ready for you, right? But let's say you just get the games you want, which are a few things, and then you're done. Okay, what's the next thing? Oh, okay, that what? What's coming out? When, when's that? Oh, it's still in development? Okay. Well, all right, I'm looking forward to it, so I'm going to put this off to the side, and it collects dust, you know? As much as I love my PlayStation VR, that was the thing, was there wasn't a ton of stuff coming out. But when stuff did come out, it was exciting. Ooh, something to look forward to. Ooh, something to try out, you know? But not every game is going to be amazing, awesome. So that's kind of the negative when it comes to VR, is that since it's not a main thing, since it's not the main unit you're buying, like, yeah, the, the Quest is is a main unit but you don't have a lot of people developing solely for vr headsets it's one of the negatives and one of the things i try to tell people like hey if you're buying any vr headset just know that you're not getting not there's not going to be as many new games coming out as consistently as your standard console affair yeah and even if there are games that come out and they're like the nfl what was it that nfl manager or whatever that way i don't care i would care it's like i don't i want to play that you know, some people do. Some people are like, this is fucking awesome. I want to buy it. So it varies. And then like, yeah, that maybe the game that month isn't a game you're into. So, okay, I got to wait another month. And the other month the game is like, okay, that one I'm not into. I got to wait another month. Where's the new games? You know, so I, I think that's the problem. As a per, okay, if I was looking forward to getting one, I probably would already buy it right now. So I don't have to pay a hundred bucks next month. So that works. It works for them to sell it or do that because then people will be like, oh, I'll just buy it now instead of waiting till like September, October. So yeah, I think they just get a whole flush of people purchasing right now. And But if I was someone like, dude, I can't buy it till like fucking September. And now I gotta wait even longer because I need a hundred more bucks depending on the person. I think I would have just given up, but that's just me. Sony has revealed the first images of the PSVR2's user interface, including that the see-through system and play area customization will look like. Similar to the Oculus Meta Quest line of VR headsets, the PlayStation VR2 will feature a see-through view, which allows you to view your real-life surroundings in black and white. This uses cameras mounted to the headset and is helpful for seeing where your controllers are or navigating your play space without taking the headset off. See-through view can be activated with a physical function button on the hardware itself or via the UI's control center. Control center will also allow you to draw out and edit a customized play space on the floor using the handheld controllers. Also similar to how the MetaQuest handles things, a grid wall will display in-game when you move too close to your boundaries. 
your settings are saved between sessions, but moving to a new room will require a new area to be drawn. A cinematic mode has also been confirmed, which will allow you to watch non-VR content such as existing games in a virtual cinema screen. Being in VR allows things to look much bigger than they are, and so you can create a sort of cinema experience. PSVR 2 will also feature a broadcast mode that, when coupled with a PS5 HD camera, can stream video of both what you're seeing in the headset and what you're doing in real life. Sony has said that the PSVR 2 will have more than 20 major launch games. Coming to the platform is Horizon, Call of the Mountain, Resident Evil Village, and Ghostbusters VR, among others. Yeah, I was seeing this on PSVR 2. I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to it. It's cool that it's going to have those features. You know, it's it's really improving on what PlayStation VR was and really improving it with some of the newer technology and some of the newer features that most current VR headsets have now. Now it's all about that price, man. Someone asked me, a good friend, uh, you guys might know him. Uh, he's Mr. Jonathan English. He was on this episode. Uh, he's been on the show with us when he, we did the conversation of Jedi's uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Um, we're talking about this, and he was wondering, how much do you think it is? And honestly, in what I think it is, I said, at the most expensive, where it's crazy, where it's like people are going to go, whoa, 400 That's my guess. 400 to 450 I think that's going to be the most. I think what's going to be the most understandable, as in price range, is 300 And crazy, insane will never happen. Would love this to be the price. Pro probably won't be. 250 No way in hell that's happening at all. But my guess is what will make everyone happy, Happy, I think, 300 What sounds right, 4 to 450 Maybe a possible recession, it might be higher. Maybe it'll be the price of a PS5, man. I That would suck. But I'd be okay with 400 to be honest. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised if they did a bundle 400 for just the headset and stuff and everything you need for it. And um, 450 and you get, it'll probably come with a download code of that Horizon game, which I don't want. But I'm going to get the expensive bundle because it's going to have something in it that I want. And I don't want to play that Horizon game, but I don't want to play that Horizon game because that's probably going to be the only one that's going to be really cool. I want to play Resident Evil Village. Fuck yeah, it's going to be awesome. But yeah, uh, PSVR 2, it's cool that they're going to have the, being able to map your, your, um, playroom area so that that it kind of could recognize if you're going to go out of bounds it's going to be really cool to be able to if you have a playstation 5 camera broadcast yourself and put yourself in the game um i already have like streaming equipment and everything to do that so i'm going to get and be ahead of the game but for anyone who just wants a basic simple way to do it i mean the way to stream on ps5 is really quick and simple and easy so it's, it's awesome that they're offering that for their console so thumbs up it's great you know and you're probably thinking, Jesse, you just talked shit about the MetaQuest thing price increase. And you're 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 okay with paying four hundred for the PlayStation? Hey, I'm a hypocrite, bro. I'm a hypocrite. No, it's cause there I already know what's coming out, right? For the PlayStation. I know there's gonna be those exclusive games for PlayStation. And they're gonna have like I'm pretty sure that village is gonna be exclusive. And dude, I'm a sucker, bro. If they were like, hey, there's a VR segment that's five minutes in Final Fantasy VII Rebirth for PlayStation 5, I'm fucking buying it and I'm playing it. If I get to walk around Midgar or the world of Final Fantasy VII and Tifa's like right over there to the left and I could look at her and then she says like, what are you looking at? I'm going to be like, don't look, don't look, eye contact, damn it, you know, anything like that, like I'm a sucker for that shit. That when it comes to VR, what I love about VR is the immersiveness. So if Nintendo ever did VR and they were like, hey, there's a mode in uh, Breath of the Wild 2 where you can just walk around Hyrule. You don't, you can't fight, but you can walk around. I'm sold, dude. I want to be in that world. I was so invested in Final Fantasy 7 and VR and other games that came out for the PSVR 2. And you, you look, you gotta even think of this too. PSVR for the original PS4, the quality wasn't that good. It looked like you were looking through a screen door, but I was still immersed. Just imagine this new headset that's supposed to be a thousand times better. 
I'm sold, man. I'm a sucker for it. And PlayStation has the properties. It has the properties that I would care to if they made like a stupid little mini game or something in that world. I'm looking forward to it. You know, you know for damn sure I'm pre-ordering a PSVR 2. The guys want to do the same thing. The guys want to pre-order it together. Joe wants to. But this is all I'm saying. and you, I'm going to say this right now for you guys to hear. And mark my words. The first thing I'm going to do. You know what? I'm not even, you know, even going to say it. Because I feel like Bethel's listening right now. And he's going to do the opposite of what I'm saying. So he's going to already know. So fuck it. I'm not saying. I'm not going to say what I was going to say. Because I know Bethel's a trickster. He's he's a trickster and he does tricky things. I know you're laughing, you fucking asshole. Piece of shit. Shut up. Stop it. You st I stop. Damn it, Bethel. Anyway, yeah. Um, PSVR two. Cool. Awesome. All news and articles are from publications like IGN, Gotaku, Destructoid, and Gadget, Gamespot, and Polygon. Thank you for listening to Three PC News. We'll be back after the break. This week's topic, um, I don't have the gentleman here with me, but some tasty info from the Mr. Jason Schreier has leaked out some, again, rumor. Everyone knows that Rockstar is working on Grand Theft Auto 6. He says that Rockstar's overhaul started in 2018 when staff called out its culture of crunch, bullying, and frat house antics. The company has ousted managers accused of abuse and promised to cut down on overtime. One employee calls it a boys club transformed into a real company. Rockstar removed transphobic jokes from the most recent re-release of Grand Theft Auto 5 and quietly canceled an online mode called Cops and Crooks after the George Floyd protest. Grand Theft Auto 6 will have a female Latina protagonist, the first playable woman in modern Rockstar history. Production on Grand Theft Auto 6 has been slower than expected, largely due to the pandemic, but also due to these changes, as employees grow accustomed to working at the new Rockstar, but many say morale is higher than ever and that the cultural changes are well worth it. This rare look inside Rockstar Games and the development of Grand Theft Auto 6 is based on interviews with more than 20 people with either who either worked there or left very recently. You know, again, these are all rumors, uh, maybe true, maybe not. But I mean, even if it wasn't, it's not like a rumor that's a bad rumor if it's not, you know, if it's true. Because, you know, culture has been bad at not only Rockstar, but at a lot of studios. And to hear if it's true that they have changed their ways, that's a good thing. It's not bad. It's good that their employees feel that they're in an better, that they're in a better environment, that they could work better. Um, that's cool. I don't give a fuck if that delays Grand Theft Auto 6 to four more years. As long as they have a better working environment for their employees, I'm all cool about that. Uh, on the female protagonist uh, part of this, if that's true, I want them to go all in. If Rockstar has the fucking balls to do a pure solo female protagonist... Don't have, don't do Grand Theft Auto 5 where it was three people, so it's like two guys and a girl in a pizza place. No, not that shit, okay? Give me just a female. If Rockstar has the fucking balls to do that, I will, I will commend them. If they do it, I'm gonna say this right now, and Bethel, I know you're listening. If they say this right now, if it is, if they announce it, and it's, you only play as a female, if you only play as a female, Okay, there's no fucking, oh, now you play as Hector, her brother, her twin brother, or something. 
if it is a female protagonist and it's only her and you don't play as anyone else, you don't play as anybody, you don't play as a dude, you just play as a female, if anything, if it's three females, if these are all females, right, I will fucking buy those games for Bethel and Joe. I will buy Grand Theft Auto 6 for Bethel and Joe. If Rockstar has a fucking balls, Rockstar, I know you're listening. I know you're listening. If you have the fucking balls, dude, test me. Test me, motherfucker. If you make a full female protagonist, if you make a full female protagonist, no bullshit like she has to play as someone else or you play as another dude or whatever, if it's only a girl, I will buy a copy. I will buy Bethel and Joe's copy for whatever platform they want. No collector's edition, so just a standard copy. But I will buy it for them. But, but, Bethel and Joe. I know Joe ain't listening, Bethel, you're listening. But if in the game, because I'm going to play it too, if in the main story, I'm not going to count online whatever, if in the story it's like, now you play as Hector, deals off. You have to pay me back, right? Because it might be something that, you were, oh, it's quiet, we don't know until it comes out, right? But if it's a full from beginning to end, 100% female protagonist, I'm buying a copy for Joe and, and, and Bethel. Because I don't think Rockstar will do that. But I'll be happy that they do, and I'll buy them a fucking copy. No joke. I'll buy them a copy. I'm not lying. I will. Because I think it should be done. I think that should be it. Now, I'm a little worried of Rockstar doing a Latina. Because I don't know if they're going to go with stereotypical stuff, and she's going to be like, Oh, I know, huh? You're stupid. Oh, my God. I'm going to fucking kill you. Oh, I'm going to steal this car. Oh, I can't die. Oh, my nails. Click, click. Right? I don't think they'll go super, super, like, stereotypical. I think they're going to be smart about it. But this is why I want a female protagonist. Because I think it'd be cool. Honestly. And But this will be a test, right? Because I always said... It doesn't matter if, like, before before we knew about any of this, I always was like, it doesn't matter if Grand Theft Auto 6 is a piece of shit, people are going to buy it. It's going to be the best-selling game for that month, that year, right? Grand Theft Auto 6 could be pure fucking garbage, and people will still buy it. Why? Because this is GTA. It's the next GTA. I don't think Grand Theft Auto, I think Grand Theft Auto is a popular game that people will just buy. I honestly do. I honestly think that people don't care about the quality of that game. You, I'm, not, I'm not saying nobody. I'm just saying you. People, it will be purchased because of the name, and it, and, and it's gonna be it's gonna sell a lot. Unless it's a no. I no. I'll stick to what I said. I think people will buy it regardless. For real. And you might be saying, well, Jesse, like uh, the the remastered collections. Uh, we're shit. Uh, people didn't buy those. I think people bought it, dude. Honestly, I think people bought it. Not knowing. They just saw it in a store. Oh, they're fucking great to die. I'm gonna buy it. All my, I played these. They play it and they go like, oh, I forgot how shitty they played. Right? Oh, I don't remember they were this shitty. I really do hope that it's a female protagonist because I think that would be cool. In, in Red Dead Redemption 2, there was a character, Sadie Adler, that was, I, I thought she was great. Probably the best written character besides the main protagonist. Um, she was fucking awesome. Like a great female character. And I was really impressed by her. One of the, the, the and there was impressive characters in that game. There were just other things about that game I wasn't into. But it's not, again, it's not a horrible game. But she was great. If that is something where that level of detail and that great character that they created is gonna be a character they created in this Grand Theft Auto 6, especially a female character, I'm all in, baby. This is gonna be great, right? But the test is to see if your casual GTA fan is gonna play it. Because there's a lot of people that don't wanna play as girls in a video game. And that sounds stupid. Maybe you're one who's just like, yeah, I don't wanna play as a girl. And look, I get it, but like, why? It doesn't, I, to me, it doesn't matter. But I've met many people who will refuse to play as a female. Repl refuse to even play create their character like you have a game where it's a creative character and do a female like they won't even do that and you will find people have their thing they don't they want to play what they want to play it's, it's your right to play how it, however you want but I think that's going to be an, a real test to see like if this doesn't sell well is it because of that but this game might sell well and Rockstar might take this risk making a female protagonist and i mean risk as in like i honestly do think it is a risk 
I don't think it's bad it's a female character, but I think for a lot of people, I'm pretty sure a lot of people were like, I don't think we should have a female as the main character. Because to them, it's a risk that a lot of people might not buy it. But I think where the reason why they might be confident, and again, I don't agree with it being a risk, personally, I think why they might feel like they can do this is because GTA Online. They have a huge player base that is constantly putting in money and playing GTA Online. Rockstar is the only ones who could see their player base, what they're playing, and how much time they're spending. They could see that. Any developer, if your game's connected online, they could see how much of, of, of single player are you playing, how much of multiplayer are you playing. If nine, let's say 85% of your player base is only on the GTA Online for Grand Theft Auto V, then that means 85% will just buy GTA 6, never touch single player, and just play online. So to them, they're like, oh, I'm going to play single player because this is a girl, but I'll play GTA Online. I can make my guy character. So I wonder if that's why they'll, they're taking that risk. Because they know, even if there are people who will refuse to play it, they'll still buy it for GTA Online. Yeah, because I think that's why, man. I think that's why they would do it because they know that the huge amount of their audiences. I, I think if GTA Online is available day one, which I don't see why it wouldn't be, it makes so much money for Rockstar and uh, Take Two that they would like require, like, yeah, this needs to be out when the game comes out, right? You would think that. So they're probably just like, yeah, we we're good, man. Like, people will still buy it. Let's say it gets announced. They show it. It is a female protagonist. People are just like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Guess what the next trailer might be? All focused on online. And then people will forget about it and be like, oh, shit, I'm going to get it for the online. Oh, shit, it's a deal, bro. People are going to go, bro, it's a deal, man. I'll get the online, which I've played a ton on the play Grand Theft Auto V. I mean, there's single player. Like, I won't play it, but that's a deal because it comes with it. You, you know, it's it's justifying your purchase type of thing right oh this is justified because it comes with two things man i mean i hope it's true man i hope it's true sadie was a great character so if they they stick to that type of like well-written character it might be a game to look forward to i was not looking forward to gta 6 because i was like fuck it i don't care anymore but if this is true having a female character to me is important because you just you really don't see it. And don't roll your fucking... I know you just rolled your eyes. Shut up. You know you don't see it as much. Come on. Stop being a hater. Just select a female character, man. It ain't gonna do nothing. Punk. It's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting. It's good that Rockstar is having a better envi work environment for their employees. It's good that uh, we might get a female character on a fucking mainline Grand Theft Auto game. I would not have seen that coming. I wouldn't have guessed that. You know, people are going to bitch. Oh, they were forced to by the woke media. Blah, blah, blah. Shut up. Yeah, I wish the guys were here. I'd really like to know their, their uh, opinions on it, you know? Out of all the news that was coming out of Rockstar and, and, and everything... This is at least some good news because, yeah, uh, work environments in gaming should ha should be better for all involved. What, no matter what company you're in, department, whatever, it shouldn't be as bad as you're hearing. It should be good for all. everyone. Everyone for, in, in whatever field of work you have should have a good working environment. You shouldn't be working. Nobody should be working in a shitty work environment. All right. Anyway. Um, yeah, that's going to be it for this week. Uh, it's going to be, a, a, I think, a shorter one than usual because it's just me this week. I uh, hope you guys liked it. Hope you guys were not bored. Um, I know you guys missed Joe and Bethel. I know you missed their witty mannerisms and their their quick wit talks because they're uh, cute boys. But, yeah, well, thanks for checking out the podcast. And uh, if you have any questions comments or concerns you can send it to us at third party control podcast at gmail.com or our instagram at third party control podcast remember it's third party control podcast with a three r d thanks for listening i am your host jesse p.s lira and we may not be as good as everyone else but we kind of get the job done later Ooh.
miss Joe and Beto. I miss their cute faces and their little cheeks, booty cheeks, and their their noses. And I miss them. I miss my boys, my babies. I miss them. Can you hear me? I miss you. I miss you, you stupid bitches. Shit, I'm going to owe them a fucking Grand Theft Auto game.